Get Animated, the anime watch-along podcast with the hosts of Get Played. I'm self-proclaimed scooped-up handful of brains, Heather Ann Campbell. <laughs> I'm self-proclaimed nursing class president, Nick Weiger. <laughs> and I'm self-proclaimed Mr. Lookalike, Matt Apodaca. Hello, everyone. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the premier anime podcast where we are finishing up our series on the rebuild of Evangelion films with Evangelion 3.0 plus 1.0 thrice upon a time. Uh, and uh, and we're, that's where we are. That's what we're doing. That's what we're chatting about. That's what if we're doing. If you've been following along, uh, we're in various states of disarray over this series. None of us really getting what we hoped for out of the Evangelion Rebuild movies. And I'm going to, you know, give myself a little bit of a, a preface here by saying I've seen all of these other films multiple times. I watched this one for the second time this week, and I, I barely could, I, I barely could watch it through to the end. I was so frustrated mm -hmm. in taking wow. so many notes. Um, but that's not the only thing we talk about on this show. We talk about other things. We're weebin'. We that's talk true. about what's going on in the world. Uh, and guys, if you don't mind me, like, footballing and throwing throwing myself to a pass down the field and going for the touchdown, then I'm going to cue us up. Hey, hey, you mean me? I'm out there. Yeah, Ash, Ash, you ready? Here, catch. Oh, okay, really I got it. it. Wow. Wow, what are we been weaving? Wow. Wow. Well, I think with that prelude, uh, Heather, I think you got to start us off. Holy shit, guys. I watched it. Shin Ultraman. Oh. Fuck, I wanted to see. Did you see it in the theater? No, uh, but essentially, yes. I saw it on a giant projection screen at a friend's house. Uh, he has a, a, a in in-home theater uh so i watched it on the largest private screen i could a huge wow. screen huge screen i'd say 20 feet across easy um and uh is this your friend is a film steven spielberg my friend <laughs> steven spielberg wow uh he, he's i watched like, but i want to watch my movie the fablemans <laughs> i watched it on blu-ray japanese with english subtitles this is a film directed by shinji higuchi and written by Evangelion's own Hideaki Anno. He also uh, co-produced and co-edited the film, and I think that's important because Shin Ultraman feels like it has that Eva cadence where you're getting like somebody said, like there's a half-second shot of somebody's wedding ring and another character is like, th that's enough information that you have to know that, that the first character has noticed the other person's wedding ring. And that, that sort of alacrity of edits, uh, boy, oh boy, do you love it. This is also part of the Shin Japan cinematic universe, the sort of um, unofficial, unofficial relationship between Shin Evangelion, Shin Godzilla, Shin Ultraman, and Shin Kamen Rider, which is coming out this summer. Uh, guys, um, I'm going to read from, uh, I'm going to read from the Wikipedia article about Shin Ultraman. In the summer of 2017, Hideaki Anno was tasked with writing a proposal for a trilogy of Ultraman productions. A year after completing the plan for the trilogy, Anno wrote the first draft of Shin Ultraman screenplay 
On February 5th, 2019, his participation in the film had to be deferred until the completion of Eva 3.0 plus 1.0 Thrice Upon a Time. Uh, Post-production was decelerated by a COVID-19 pandemic, resulting in editing taking roughly two and a half years. Guys, this movie fucking slaps. It is so good. Holy shit. I laughed. I cheered. I, it, 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 uh, just accepts the intelligence of its audience. Like you, this movie opens and it's just right away. Like the, you get like titles on the screen, Evangelion style. And it's like, Japan is attacked by kaiju and you immediately cut in the middle of a fucking battle where like a kaiju's fighting something and you get a montage of the last seven years of stuff that have happened in the Ultraman universe. None of which you get like, it's not a re it feels like a recap. (laughs) It's played like a recap and is just getting you into the film as fast as possible. It fucking rules and given my uh, frustrated to uh, disappointed relationship with the Evangelion Rebuild films, it is so nice every time this dude, who remains my favorite international director, hits it out of the fucking park. And boy, oh boy, did he with the editing and writing on this movie. I can't wait to see Shin Kamen Rider. Loved Shin Godzilla. Holy shit. Awesome movie. Awesome movie. Ultraman is such a fucking weirdo, man. He is a weird dude. Do you do you need to know anything about Ultraman? No, I nope. Nothing. No nothing. Go okay. into it. I'd seen like three episodes of Ultraman in my life. None of them applied. This movie tells you everything you need to know and just you you will cheer in delight, Apodaka. I can't wait. I'm gonna watch it. It is fucking crazy. It is so much fun. And it is it is they take the aesthetics of the 60s and just drop them into CG. So mm. shit is, it's not like they make the mo- like the action cooler. It's just shot better and with a larger scale. But like the insane goofiness of the original show is not like given the like Matthew Broderick Godzilla treatment mm-hmm. where it's like, oh fuck, Godzilla so fucking rad now. Size matters. It's mm-hmm. like, yeah, Fucking Ultraman's a weird, he's weird, man. His move is weird. In order to make his beam, which was mocapped by Hideaki Anno, Beam, you say? He, in order to make his <laughs> beam, he's got to do a weird pose, and it's weird to look at. And, and, and the editing lingers on its weirdness, so you know that it's self-aware of, like, of how weird... <laughs> fucking great i loved it so much that's wow. what i was weeping I how about you it. oh you guys gotta see it I, w- yeah. I would watch it again it, it had a very limited theatrical release it was like a it was like a two there were, i saw two showings in the area i couldn't make either of them um great it's yeah, so good check it out. loved it music well, hey- also uh just pulling evangelion tracks <laughs> <laughs> works for me yeah um speaking of movies that fucking slap you know, we recently did uh, Satoshi Kon's uh, to- Tokyo Godfathers, and uh, that uh, uh, led me to rewatch uh, his final film, Paprika, which is just a fucking incredible work. Uh, it is so gorgeous. It is basically 
a you know about a device that makes it so people so you can enter other people's dreams and the dreams can converge and so that's kind of the sci-fi premise of it uh but and I'd read somewhere that it inspired Inception. It predates Inception by by a few years. Uh, but the thing that it does so effectively that I don't think Inception is as successful at is just representing the feeling of being in a dream. Like the mm. idea of, you know, language sometimes just being a word salad that actually makes no real sense but sounds like a like spoken spoken language like that's a strong element um how realities will just like shift on an on basically an edit and this this movie uses a lot of like just like the language of cinema to convey a dreamlike reality like like just like basically having an edit point pop you into a different reality uh and uh and you just continuing on to to exist in that state and it's just like it just does such a such a fantastic job of just conveying that visually, and uh, I I really recommend it to anyone who hasn't seen it or hasn't watched it in a long time. Um, it, you know, like certain things I'd remembered, like the the you know the elevator sequence, which I was in my memory was a bigger part of this, but is is a is a smaller thing here. Uh, but the uh, you know certainly the circus, the big top stuff, but a lot of it had just kind of like exited my mind, and it was great to to see it again, and also just like great to watch visually it's just it's just an absolutely uh gorgeous and fluid and you know has those sorts of of flourishes of animation uh like uh, the movie we're discussing today uh the evangelion movie they're, they're just like wow that is just incredible craft um but one thing satoshi Kon really does well and one thing that, that that is just like really well executed in this movie is that he directs the camera like it's a live action film and mm. that is so much of 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 what's going on here it's just like you know it it, it feels like a it it feels like it's like these are the this is in a way this is almost like the animated storyboards you would make much more elaborate than that obviously but this is like almost like the pre visualization you could make of a live action film it's it's just it's and and that makes everything feel you know it, it just makes everything feel so much more vibrant and alive um and I think this one is just like a, a, a you know like a great just premise that it. Uh, that it lives up to the, the the promise of its premise. It like lives up to the idea of like, okay, what if you could enter into other people's dreams? And what if you were unsure if you were dreaming or in reality? And uh, what would that actually mean? And ties it all up in, ki in kind of a noir plot line. Um, that is that is just like a, a, incredible to see. So strongly recommend it, you know, in the same way that, that uh, I imagine a lot of anime fans who are listening to this podcast have already seen this, no doubt, countless times. But if you haven't, uh, check it out. But, you know, in the same way that, that he, uh, you know, Perfect Blue, uh, his most famous film, is kind of like just like a better version of Black Swan, I kind of feel the same way Paprika is just kind of a better version of Inception. It's the same sort of idea, but it's just a, a, a much more fully formed realization. Um, that's me. Paprika Revisit. Uh, Apodaca, how about you? What we've been weaving over there? Okay, well, I got to check out that movie because that sounds great. There's a lot of movies. I got some stuff on my shelf currently that I'm hoping to work through pretty soon. Uh, I mentioned that I picked up the 4K Blu-ray of um, Ghost in the Shell, which I really want to watch. And you get the Steel Book. You get the Steel. I did not get the Steel Book. Hmm. I just got the a steel great book, Steel. The Steel Book is nice, but yeah. I got. I just got the regular old, plain old. Lowly 4K Blu-ray disc. Oh boy! Yeah, I know. Like I'm some kind of schmuck, <laughs> some 
just regular Joe Schmo here. Uh, so hoping to start that pretty soon. But that's not nice. that's future weaving. What I'm currently weaving. I spoke last week of the Shonen Jump app. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it, I love it. I just love this app. I love the way it works. I love the interface. I love when you uh, click on it. It it remembers where you left off. Yep. That's just good. And so as of right now, I'm reading Chainsaw Man. I've read chapters 98 through 106. And as of press time, there's a new chapter coming in just eight days. Wow. So, So I think I can read chapters 107 through chapter 118 before those eight days come. And then I'll be all caught up with my Chainsaw Man. And then I'll start digging into other stuff that I've starred here, or I've hearted here on the app. Uh, all You Need Is Kill, a short one that I'm looking forward to reading because uh, oh, Nick yeah. sang its praises a couple weeks ago. Um, is Kaiju number eight any good? It looked interesting to me. Um, I, who, that's the th- fun of the app. I can just try stuff, just see what's, see what's working for me. Will I dare to read all 101 volumes of One Piece? Who could say? <laughs> I could, because I have the app for a measly $2. There's really just 101? That's what's here currently. There's wow. a 1,072 chapters as, okay, of, okay. Uh, as of right now. There's a new chapter coming in six days. So you know what? I think even if I started now, there's no way I could ever catch up to One Piece. Because they'll have done like 300 more chapters by the time I get current. Um, but there's a lot of good stuff on this app, and I, I'm excited to dig around and see see what else is going on. Yeah, the only negative thing I could say about the Shonen Jump app uh, is that recently got a notification that they're raising the price from one dollar ninety nine cents per month to two dollars ninety nine cents per month. Okay, where's that so, fucking unsubscribe button? Nice yeah, try, yeah, Shonen thanks, President Jump. Brandon. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, you know what? I saw a Let's Go Brandon shirt in earnest yesterday and i just was like that's the funniest thing you fucking dweeb you fucking loser fucking what a joke it's so to think that that's owning somebody i'm gonna wear this shirt and i was like i i'll I'll tell you guys where i was later (laughs) um okay but uh because i don't want to spoil it for um uh for anything in particular uh but there was a guy there also wearing a big shirt with like a big Ronald Reagan on it and it said I smell hippies and I I was like do you like do you smell hippies? <laughs> no one here is like that. You wore this shirt cuz you're fucking afraid. Yeah. Loser. Uh so funny. Just so funny. Um well hey. Let's talk about this final rebuild of Evangelion. Evangelion 3.0 plus 1.0 thrice upon a time. Streaming now on Amazon Prime, as all these films are. That's where I watched it. And I'd seen this for the first time. Uh, I'd never, I had not watched this before. I will say that I wish I'd seen it in, I wish I'd had the opportunity to see it in the theater, uh, but I hadn't watched any of them when it was theatrically released, so it felt like I would have just been baffled. I yes. have so many things to say about this movie. So many things to say about this. Okay. I have one quick thing, and that I did see it in the theater when they brought when they brought it back, uh, or not brought it back. Was it the first time it was released in theaters here uh, when they, they showed it in December? I think they must have shown it one time before. 
Um, it was originally yeah. released in March of 2021. Okay. And I think it's entirely possible that because of the pandemic, they didn't give it a, a an international theatrical okay. release. And yeah. then finally, we're just eventually like, okay, well, now let's do it in 2022. But I don't know. Because Heather, you watched it on Amazon when it- Yeah, was... I watched it yeah. the day it was released. Yes. Um, And then I, I had tickets to see it in the theater and decided it wasn't worth it. Wow. Yeah. Um my there's so many things to say. Okay, one is it's all here's it's always comforting no matter the context to see and hear the sights and sounds of Evangelion and you, dipping into this film and hearing and seeing those visuals and hearing those voices it's like man it is nice. Okay? I'm going to try and speak to some positives here um the opening sequence set in paris is fucking gorgeous mm-hmm. At, like if you were to just get trading cards of the of the shots in this film that were just like glossy you know cinematically aspected ratioed uh trading cards they'd be gorgeous it would be you could do a whole wall of like each of these shots um in this opening sequence we so you can't i don't think you can this isn't a movie this is watching somebody you this is not an evangelion movie in that it is about the characters of evangelion going through stuff this Mm -hmm. is a movie which is about Hideaki Anno's relationship to Evangelion and those characters are placeholders to help him deconstruct his relationship to the thing that he made. Uh, you've got uh, you've got Misato is like is like a producer who's like, hey, you still have to go forward with each of these things. Gendo sort of represents the original series and its needs and what it demands of him. Shinji is, of course, his stand-in. And 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 uh, Asuka is the part of himself that, that blames himself for failing in the in the last decade in between these two movies. Uh, and then Shinji and, and then Mari is his wife. And if you don't just take and and there there's quotes about why he named this character Mari and it was based on a character from his wife's manga so there is like a it's more than just inference you can actually draw a link between mm-hmm. Mari the character and his and his wife in real life mm. um but if you don't if you try and watch the film as a movie without that metatextual reading of it it doesn't work because there is no reason why a character that Shinji has only met four times in the entire film series should be an iconic part of his redemption in this film. She literally says, by the way, my name is Mari. Like she introduces herself in this film Mm -hmm. because there was no point in any of the previous films where he even found out what her name was. So you can't say, oh, because of the intensity of these two characters' bonds, 
the conclusion and finale of this film is satisfying because she lifts him out of this artificial world and places him in the real one unless you watch it with the metatextual understanding that Shinji is Hideaki Anno and Mari is his wife. Doesn't make any fucking sense otherwise. Mm. She does fight like I fight in Fortnite, though. <laughs> like just screaming, running at <laughs> shit, <laughs> singing a song. Um, where do we begin? So they start this fight in Paris. They're doing some kind of crazy shit. The, the cast of Willie, the, the crew of Willie. Uh, Will? Willie? Who knows? It's Will um, with a trailing E. I watched the subtitled version, and I think it was—I think it was Will, but I think it was—I think they said it Will, but yeah, it's spelled with an E. I'd, I'll just say that the the organization sounds so much less cooler than Nerve. Like yes. Nerve sounds cool. Yeah. Will E does not sound cool. Steel. I'd Steel. Like, Steel sounds cool. Willie does not sound cool. I'd like to say, first time you see Tokyo Three in the series, it's like. This city was built as a fortress to stop the angels. The city that you protected. The buildings rise up out of the ground because, like, that's that's the way they sink into the geofront yes. so that they can protect themselves. And that's that's both important to the story and it also makes sense, like, structurally. There's a huge hollowed-out space below Tokyo 3 and and these buildings retract into it so that you can fight the angels above ground. In Paris, those buildings move out of the ground because it's been established that buildings move. Like, there's no geofront under Paris. And in fact, those buildings are all old buildings. So there, there's no, like, story point where it's like, yeah, Paris was destroyed, and so they rebuilt Paris as Paris Three, so that there was a geofront underneath it and, and that buildings retract into the ground. Like, the skyscrapers in Tokyo 3 are skyscrapers, and that's why they get tall. These are buildings that are supposed to be on the ground. So it doesn't make any sense that they would rise up. Right. Baffling. There's um, so many. <laughs> God damn it. Another no, fucking I, week of this. <laughs> no, this is this is this is good stuff. Uh, we we had to talk about him. Uh, you know, like this is like you were talking about. This is a really cool looking action sequence. It's it 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 also is like just just the 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 idea of this. They're like pockets or kind of bubbles within this reality, within this this destroyed world where an approximation of normal life goes on. Like, that's kind of cool, and that's something I think we were missing in the previous film, yeah. where we were basically entirely anchored either the, you know, an underground facility or on the, uh, or on the wonder, on the ship. But, yeah, it's... It's one of those things where, like, okay, this kind of looks cool, but you're kind of hoping for some context on what exactly is happening on what what exactly is happening here. And you know, again, as as we would expect from the rest of the series, it, 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 the rest of these films, it doesn't really ever come. I, I'm jumping around here. Um, this movie is so like they're clearing out these pockets, right? Mm -hmm. They're freeing them from the from the sort of red earth crystallized near third impact bullshit that they went through and all around are these ruins of evangelion right they've got like actual like bodies evangelion bodies like in the debris failures and of infinity 
And that, if you think about a, a person who makes Evangelion and then is haunted by it, as we saw all these quotes in like our, the first episode that we did on this, where it was like, nobody moved beyond Evangelion. It's fucking everywhere and the industry is dying. Yeah. Like this makes sense as meta text. It's like, oh, okay. Like extra texturally, I can see that the world feels uh, ruined by Evangelion and nothing can move beyond it unless you clear the debris and make space for something new. Um, it's, But it's weird to me to make a movie about that because the first series is a narrative in and of itself telling a story and the second this series of movies is just about the existence of the of the series in the movie like it's um, not it's not about anything else it's about trying to combat like the the finale of this film is the old eva fighting against the new eva and it's a stalemate because the new evangelion cannot overcome the old evangelion like it like it's a perfect stalemate across all of these sets and storyboard areas from all of the original shows, like iconic locales. And it, you can see this production trying to beat the old one and failing at it. it I'll just say, I like the failures of infinity. They reminded me of BTs from death stranding. And as I was watching this, I was like, oh, I wonder, because, you know, it kind of has a Death Stranding-y feel, right? Like, there's like little, like, oh, okay, there's this, most of the, most of the planet is ruined and uninhabitable, but there's little places where people muddle through. Um, and then there's, like, there's infrastructure to try to keep those, you know, in connection, connectivity with each other and, you know, and, and self-sustaining. And I was like, oh, did this kind of influence Death Stranding? And then I looked at the timeline. I was like, no, this came out like two years after Death Stranding. <laughs> like, there was such a huge gap in between the third and fourth rebuild of Evangelion yeah. that something else came back, came out that was exploring similar ideas uh, that's unrelated. But yeah, I, I, I don't know. You it, get, the, the, go on. Oscar and Shinji and Ray go to a little utopian town. If you watch the documentary about the making of this series of the making of this film, which I, I did watch, uh, you can see that they built that town. They built a model of that town, a three dimensional model so that they could like look at the city and you see lots and lots of sequences of Hideaki Anno looking at that town and rearranging little things like being like, no, this train has to face this way. This wasn't something they were drawing. They built the town so that they could look at it. Which is really cool. I like that. Yeah, because the too. town looks really alive. In this is very my... specific. Yeah. yeah. Um, you also get this, this, because of this existence of this town, I think this part of the, of the movie is about Evangelion characters contrasted with people who've grown up. Like you have like regular mm. people. Yeah. Yes. And and seeing our batshit weirdo Eva archetype characters interacting with people who are like, yeah, just farm. What's your name? You don't have yeah. a name. That's fucking weird. <laughs> like, well, <you> know? <laughs> well and, and even also characters from the series who are now adults, like grown into adulthood. You know, Toji is there. Kensuke is there. Uh, Hikari Horaki, the, the class rep, is there. They all, like, have professions and, like, families and like you know, all the uh, the the Eva pilots are still basically completely you know, 
a, a, a teenagers amidst arrested development. And so, yeah, that's, that's definitely an element. I, I don't know, this whole sequence, and it's pretty lengthy when they're just kind of living in the settlement for a while. It's like my, it's like maybe my favorite sequence of all of these films. I think it's it's so cool, and and it's just sort of like, oh, this is just sci-fi world building. This is just like, okay, people, this is just humanity trying to endure. And honestly, it's the parts of the Evangelion, the series that I really like of just sort of seeing domestic life and seeing like, you know what? People still have to go to the convenience store. People still have to go to the laundromat. People still have to go to school. People still have to go to their shitty jobs. You know, like like life is just going to continue uh, because we can we as humanity can normalize absolutely any anything. And yeah. um, and so I like that. I, I, I like seeing that here. And, you know, again, I talked about some of the some of the backgrounds being gorgeous in, in last week's episode. I mean, that's definitely how much I, how I feel about this, this part too. Like these environments, Heather hearing, hearing production wise that they, they built this physical city. Like it's, I, I, I mean, it definitely paid off because this stuff all, all looks so rich and detailed. I'll tell you what they didn't build out. Mm-hmm. Ray's character. <laughs> so it feels this- like there's a, there's a sketch in Ray just being like, love, what is love? Like every, like she does not understand a single concept. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's, it, it deprives. So Ray in the original series. Yeah. Is somebody who is outside of humanity looking in, trying to figure out what her place is in a relationship to those things. And what she determines is that she's bonded to everything. Mm-hmm. Like she gives that poem uh, where she's like, you know, talking about the color of sky and how it relates to her, talking about the color of the of of or the feeling of grass or clouds or whatever, and and how those things relate to her. And her question is, who am I and what I what mm-hmm. am I, and what is the voice inside my head represent? Whereas here, she's reduced to just being this fucking cutie pie, and that infantilization of her character. Robs one of the the most interesting characters of Evangelion. It just reduces her to being like, oh, here's her funny little farm hat, and here she is, like looking at a kitty, and like that commodification of Ray. Yeah, 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 that that commodification of Ray is reductive. It is, uh, it it takes all of the the threateningness of Ray away from her because there's something. Uh, like when Ray in the end of Eva absorbs Gendo's hand and is like, fuck you, I'm going to go off and do my own thing. Yeah. You, you're like, oh shit. Yeah, Ray. I don't know what that means. I'm, it makes me unnerved. It, I don't like it, but it's good for you. Whereas in this, she's like, she's literally told by another character, you exist in order to be attracted to Shinji. And you're programmed that way, and you can't you can't go above and beyond it. And in the series, Ray would have been like, "Oh, that's who I'm supposed to be. Fuck you." And in this, she's just like, "Okay, that's what I'm gonna do. I like it. Here's your little here's your here's your tape deck. I'm just an object. Bye bye. I'm juice now." 
There's a there's a name for this trope, and I forget what it is, but it's like the you know like the Fifth Element has this with the Milojovovich character. It's like the it's like babification. The babification, yeah. It's I like, don't it's know. like the, is it really? The, it's something like that. But it's like it's like a it's like an infantile uh, adult woman who's still who's like a sex object, but has like the brain and mannerisms of a small child. It's it's like a well worn problematic sci fi trope that's also just kind of tired. And yeah, it it makes Ray less interesting. Although again, I think it's funny when she's like, "What's that?" Like she doesn't know what a cat is. <laughs> it's like like she wait. So she doesn't she doesn't understand like she doesn't have the smallest sense of anything in the world. Like no. she has like how is she able to function as an entity? But if when she like say, doesn't know what food is, if you're gonna point to a cat and say, "What's that?" Yeah. Why doesn't she point to the train, blades of grass, a leaf, yeah. like a yeah. staircase? Like she doesn't point like if she doesn't know what a cat is then she doesn't know what anything is. I she agree. Sh- she should point to a fucking faucet and be like, water comes from there? <laughs> like it's... Yeah. Uh, there, okay, so this film, and I think part two also, use music from uh, Hideaki Anno's follow-up anime to Evangelion, a TV series that, w- that, that ended before it was finished called Karikano. Uh which has some really cool stuff in it, but also feels like somebody grappling with having just made something incredible. And I think that the inclusion of Karikano tracks in this film mean they're a signal to people who are watching Hideaki Anno as a as a body of work that this film is re- in response to an entire body of work. It's not just about Evangelion. It's like, otherwise, why would you... It's like, if in the Fablemans... They'd included a track from E.T., you'd be like, oh, right, because that's Spielberg. Sure, yeah. And in the same way, there's Karikano tracks in this, so you're like, right, right, this, is, this isn't just a movie I'm watching. It's a sort of deconstruction of an entire life's work. Um, and then, I mean, there's also, like, the thing that you and I have both said but haven't said on the show. Say it. Which is that it's the Matrix Resurrections. Yeah. It's the same thing. The idea that a creator like, was it Lily that did the Matrix Resurrections? I think so. Could see her work. And it, I mean, it's a little different because they sort of allude to this in the movie where Warner Brothers is like, hey, how about make another Matrix? If you don't do it, we're going to do it. Yeah. <laughs> and she's yes. like, okay, fuck that. I'll do it, but I'm going to do it in a way where nobody could ever do this again. Yeah. Uh, and so now Hideaki Anno is making the rebuilds of Evangelion and is sort of like, okay, I'm going to do this because his orig- what was his original statement? He's like, I to bring it to a new audience, to do it with yeah. updated technology and uh live up to the vision that he's always had of it partway through this he has a fucking mental breakdown goes like is into a depression is like why am i doing this right and in the same way that he went into a depression while making the original series was like why do people like this thing it's actually sad it's not like um fun or like uh like cool this is uh, this show is about being depressed um 
And now he's having the same real realization again. And then the dismount in this one is close to what I think the end of Resurrections is, where he's just sort of like, hey, not to jump too far ahead. His, he's sort of looking at it, I think, like, hey, this is, this is how it is. This is always how it's going to be. No one could ever do this again <laughs> because of this. <laughs> right. Well, I feel like... But it, it was Lana Wachowski, by the way. It was Lana, okay. Yeah, yeah. Lily didn't want to do it, and that's, that's so fine. So <laughs> the feeling that I got from this, and, uh, you know, this is just conjecture. Of course, yeah. everything is. It's just opinion. I hate criticism. I can't believe I'm doing so much of it. I feel ashamed and, no. and filthy. Um, so when I watch the end of Evangelion, I experience a catharsis. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, but if I made the end of Evangelion, I wouldn't have had the same experience because I wouldn't have been an audience member. Yeah. This film feels like a self-reflexive attempt to generate catharsis in the author about his own work. Mm -hmm. And we are sort of on the outside of that experience, witnessing it as Shinji, goes through all the characters and gives them an off-ramp from the show and like Ray and him stand in front of episodes of the show and are like, here it is. This is the show. It is behind us. Let's move back into the real world. And that's why the movie ends with adult Shinji and M Mary, Mari, who he doesn't know, but they know each other. In well, she's Hideaki the one with Anno's, the big boobs. Yeah, she's got big yeah, boobs. She reminds in, they, they, the, the final moment is the two of them in Hideakiano's hometown. And then as you pan up, it becomes live action footage. The posters say, bye-bye, all of Evangelion. Because you're, it, it, it's him just saying, I got to get over this. I got to get out of here. And, and the original show, he talks about the failure of Evangelion and and people weren't allowed an exit from the world of Evangelion. And in this, it seems so pointed that he's like, Shinji walks around having earned none of this growth and just tells each character either, hey, man, I'm real sorry. I had a crush on you, too, and I didn't express it. Uh, I'm going to talk to my dad, even though he abandoned me and we haven't resolved any of our issues and I haven't really earned this interaction in any way. I'm still going to go just talk to my dad. Mm -hmm. Uh Hey, Ray, I, yeah, I wasn't there for you. You okay? Kaoru's like, I, do you want me to finish this off? He's like, you know what, Kaoru? I, my, my happiness, I pretty... Like, it's sudden, unearned uh, introspection that can only come from, from outside of the series because... Or outside of the films because inside the movies, they never... Those... those none of that, that philosophy was ever experienced by Shinji. He just suddenly is fine. Whereas in the the old <laughs> the old series it's like it's it's normal for you to be sad. It's normal to struggle with this stuff. You know, try and take care of your like literally parenthesis like the end the film is called take care of yourself. Like mm -hmm. do some self work and you might be able to move forward a little bit. Whereas this one it's just like yeah, bye. Yeah. One one day you're gonna have a relationship with a woman who, uh, you'll meet because she, her she'll land on you on a on a rooftop. Yeah, fall out of the sky and into your lap. Yeah, it's and a, and that'll make yeah. you okay. 
Also, who knows what she is or who uh, or the complicated feelings she might be experiencing. Uh, we're never going to investigate her. She'll just be a um, a catalyst for your self-actualization in the least feminist way possible. Yeah, 100%. A big boob you know catalyst. What I, you know what I would have liked? Tell me congratulations. Let's get some congratulations going. Not a single congratulations. No congratulations. That wraps things up on a nice note. Congratulations. Um, I also wonder, this is a side note that I have on this film, all the technical gibberish, because there's a lot of it in the middle of this film, I wonder if that's a way of like, you know when you're a kid and you watch like G.I. Joe or something, and you Mm kind of don't understand what's going on, or like Mm -hmm. you watch Gundam and you kind of don't understand what's going on, and then when you're an adult, you're like, oh, I get it. I wonder if all that gibberish is to make you feel the way you felt when you were watching cartoons as a kid. Because it's like, I don't know, they got to do this thing. They're, go- they're, they're, they're descending through hexagonal shield plates into an anti-universe universe. Okay. Yeah. It, ta- talking, to go, talking about video games real quick, which I know we don't do on this podcast, but, the, but that's the, the Hidetaki Miyazaki thing with the, you know, with the FromSoft games is he, like, he like, grew up reading a bunch of, of Western fantasy. I, I believe this is what I was reading a bunch of Western fantasy and he didn't like fully understand all of it. And so in FromSoft games, so much of the lore is like kind of opaque and indirect. And it's like in an item description, it kind of gives you a sense of what's going on, but not really. It's just, it gives you the idea of a larger world, but without like it, it being fully formed, unless you watched a four hour uh, YouTube analysis that explains everything. Um, and he, like, he specifically was like, this is pointedly to try to evoke that feeling of being a kid and not really understanding something, but being in awe of the majesty of this larger world that exists. Um, can I say one thing I really did like in this movie? Uh, yeah. First off, there is, there is you know, I'm, I'm not complimenting the gratuitous nudity, uh, but there is a lot of fan service. But one, one bit of fan service, which is Asuka coming out of the shower and uh, Shinji not reacting, um, does lead to a really cool thing, which is Shinji is so triggered by the, the, the choker, the DSS choker uh, that other characters wear after having witnessed Kaoru's death. That when he sees one on somebody, he vomits. Yeah. Like, he just, like, like that's cool. I like that. I like that he's so traumatized by the thing. And that feels like like real Evangelion shit of yeah. just, like, okay, this person's brain yep. is forever fucked up by something they shouldn't have had to witness as a conscripted hi- child soldier. And, you know, they just have to try to muddle through existence uh, with this burden. So, like, there's still stuff like that where I'm like, that's fucking cool. I like him vomiting when he sees the choker because he's afraid his friend's head is going to explode. I'll tell you what's the opposite of that Uh is when Asuka and Mary fight arms. They just fight disembodied Evangelion arms that are spinning to form swastikas. Yeah. And you're like, what is happening right now? Just arms. Uh, Kensuke's got a Kensuke's like a maintenance worker. That's cool. Just kind of goes around and checks on stuff. I like that. He, know, he knows a lot of stuff. Like he knows what a knows cat a lot is. Of stuff. Uh, knows how to fish. <laughs> I and he comes in. And he sort of like also doesn't care that uh, 
Asuka is nude. He just sort of like puts his jacket on her and just sort of like, oh, there she goes. Or he gives her a towel. Uh, that's what he does. Yeah, he just grabs a towel and is like, here you go. Yeah, don't. Yeah, they all leave take him alone. It stride. Yeah. <laughs> I, it's it's like he sat down and was like, I'm gonna, I want to make a film, a series of films with a different theme, and the theme is hope, right? Mm-hmm. As opposed to despair or ennui or existential dread of the original show. He's like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna show hope, and he couldn't do it and so Mm. you get this artificial finale which is just like everything is going to be okay maybe you'll i can't get over the fact that the most important character in this entire fucking series is supposed to be mari because she's literally the person who saves shinji and we don't know anything about her like, if you contrast right, what we, we know about, like, <laughs> like think about how much we know about Ritsuko and, like, how if Ritsuko saved Shinji, like, if we knew Ritsuko from the series, right? Yeah, if, sure. If we took all the depth of Ritsuko in the series and at the end she's the one, char- like, taxed with saving Shinji, you'd be like, okay, what are her relationships going to be with this guy? He's She's going to be frustrated because he's going to remind her of his own father with whom she has a complicated relationship. She hates the idea of motherhood. So you tax her with saving Shinji. She's going to have friction, but ultimately maybe she'll be able to rise above those circumstances and save him. With And, and you can write all that from, from improv because you know so much about her. Whereas like if... Mari couldn't have saved Shinji at the end. I wouldn't be able to tell you why. Mm-hmm. Like the only for, reason I yeah. know that she does it is because it happens. For a, for a a a you know for a series for a franchise that is so much about like lineage and parents, I don't feel like we ever really learn anything about Mari's parents unless I'm forgetting something which I feel like is like such a key bit of of backstory for all these characters like you just you just mentioned Ritsuko but um uh, you know obviously uh, Gendo and Shinji and uh you know Misato uh Asuka you know all the all these characters have some sort of conflicted relationship with one or both parents uh either being absent or present or disappearing or distant and I, I feel like we just don't even get that informed for Mari really mm-hmm. We do get we do get a little Kaji, because Kaji's speaking of parents, Kaji's got a kid. There's a there's a there's a a Kaji Junior, Ryoji Kaji, who is Misato's son. Yeah, <sighs> I don't know if I, I don't know if I like this. Yeah, I don't know if I like Kaji's kid. It that doesn't. Misato was pregnant with doesn't make any sense. Like, does it doesn't track? We didn't see them fucking this one, so I don't know how it happened. <laughs> we also didn't see Kaji sacrifice himself in order to stop near third impact. Yeah, Jesus. Which we also were told in the second film was something that Kaoru did. Like, Kaoru throws that spear. And that's supposed to be the neon genesis of their relationship with one another, Shinji mm-hmm. and Kaoru. Yeah. But instead, we're told, no, 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 Kaoru didn't stop near third impact uh kaji fucked masato and then killed himself by stopping near third impact she gave birth to her Post kid clarity. and then 
and then just didn't raise the kid because if the one thing we know about Masato is that she's like not willing to take on a ward, that doesn't make any sense because that's mm-hmm. just literally she takes on multiple kids in the series and in the films. So it doesn't, why the fuck would she just be like, you know what? The living heir to the man that I loved is, I'm just not even going to refer to him in like, like she could have in the third film, assuming all of this was knowledge to the writers as they're creating these films, she could have been angry at Shinji because she could have been like, you killed Kaji. Mm -hmm. And he would have been like, I did what? (laughs) (laughs) Respect my authority. I hate I hate hearing my fucking self talk. No, 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 no. I, no you're doing great. People, people love it. People want to hear you talk. People want to hear your thoughts on this. I want to I want to read a quote. I want to read. I, I'm going to go backwards a little bit about Ray because I found this quote. I was looking for this quote and looking for this quote. Uh, it's from. Uh, so this is. Uh, I think her name is Sian Nagai. Uh, mm-hmm. She is a um, was an assistant professor of English at Stanford University. She is a feminist queer theorist. Uh, and she talks a lot about cuteness in media. And uh, Here's the quote, uh, uh, and I think this speaks a lot to uh, Ray. Cuteness is a way of aesthetic, aesthetic, oh boy, I can't even say the word, aestheticizing powerlessness. It hinges on a sentimental attitude toward the diminutive and or weak, which is why cute objects, formerly simple or non-complex, and deeply associated with the infantile, the feminine, the unthreatening, get even cuter when perceived as injured or disabled. There's a sadistic side to this tender emotion. The prototypically cute object is the child's toy or stuffed animal. Cuteness is also a commodity aesthetic with close ties to the pleasures of domesticity and easy consumption. Like that, that's every, that's every reason I'm upset about Ray being the way that she is. Mm-hmm. Fucking sucks, man. Uh, she so basically, her she learns how to pick vegetables, uh, learns how to say good morning, uh, spends a lot of time with Shinji trying to get Shinji to give come up with a name for her, um, and then eventually she just is like, "Up, oh, my work here is done. Thanks for making me happy." And then she explodes into LCL. What a what a missed opportunity that Ray is told come up with your own name, and she can't mm-hmm. even do it. Yeah. Like she can't even name herself and has to ask the object of her desire to name her. And he can't even come up with a different fucking name for her. He's just like, I don't know. You're like the other one. <laughs> and then she's like, goodbye. I'm juice. Uh, another thing I like the seed vault. The seed vault is cool. Mm-hmm. I like that seed vault. Feels like a like a you know like a fun sci-fi concept. We're gonna repopulate life, and we as such we need you know essentially a Noah's Ark of all the flora and fauna. Sure, and inhabit this blue marble. What a what a great idea for an entirely different thing. Because <laughs> yeah, in in theory, if we're to take the other movies, the the first two at sort of like face value. This is just going to happen again. They don't really need to do all that. It's just going to happen. But I guess, and this is, okay, so I just actually accidentally stumbled upon why I think um, it's all of, like, one thing, right? Because 
the sea is red in the first one, right? And they're sort of just like, yeah, the ocean's red now. Yeah. And I have to think that that's directly because of the end of Evangelion, right? Yeah. Because that, so that's just like, okay, life started over from that point. Yep. Mm-hmm. Ocean's red. They have like a uh, aquarium, you know, and shit with all the animals and, and all that stuff. So you could be like, hey, look, this these were from Earth before the previous impact or whatever. Um, so to me, I guess, yeah, hearing the seed vault thing right now, I'm sort of like, well, they don't got to do all that. It's just going to start over again, and it's going to just be worse <laughs> probably or better uh, depending on uh you know how it ultimately it shakes out um but it looked fine he talks at, at about the end, right ano talks about wanting people to other people to take on evangelion oh and no. i know that there's like rights issues with that which is why thankfully we haven't gotten an american tv show yeah but it does make me daydream about the andor of evangelion and how uh... fucking good it would be 100%. Give me a full side story that just is mostly, you know what? It's it's maybe maybe Kaji. I was going like to say, it's, it's like Kaji a, it's a Kaji show. show. And, it, and that's like the only, maybe you'll see Masato on occasion, but it's just mostly like just this whole this whole thing of just like his machinations. There's 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 no Evas. There's no angels. He's just off doing shit. That I'm feels like that would be fucking his watermelons. Cool as hell. You also yeah. could like... <laughs> The, the series sort of starts with Toji blaming the Eva pilot for his sister's injury, right? Yeah. You have an entire world who has no context for what the fuck the Evas are doing or what's going on. And right. would blame potentially this giant government agency, this secretive agency for constantly wrecking the world. You could do an entire show about a random person who is... uh sort of radicalized by the events of Evangelion and wants to create, wants to do like terrorist actions against Nerve. Oh, 100% that would exist. Um, I, I You know, th- th- just because you brought up Toji, another character who I feel like it's just like, man, it was just more interesting in the original version, him having to eventually be a pilot, uh, him, you know, l- like losing a limb, um, mm-hmm. Him being like the catalyst for Shinji feeling like he had to, you know, fucking like like he just was going to walk away for good. Uh, just his whole thing with his with his little sister and like his rage at at Shinji at, at, at blaming him for what happened to his sister. Like all that shit is so cool. And even that first thing, even that last thing I said that the, the sister is just like kind of it's kind of abridged and abbreviated. And I talked about on, a, on, on one of our previous rebuild episodes that the impact of that scene where he, he strikes Shinji um, and then wants to be hit back. It just feels like that's all like kind of neutered a little bit, but yeah. And, and, and then here he just is kind of like a, a figure that just pops up a few times. It's like a nice man. He's like, I'm a doc. I'm a doctor now. <laughs> yeah. And my little sister is also a doctor. Well, goodbye. Yeah. Kind of a bummer. Um, a uh, lot of, lot of, you know. Hey, we were talking LCL. The, uh, the the plot gets very goopy in here. There's just like a lot of just a bunch of shit that's happening on, uh, happening, you know, over the course of this film's very lengthy 155 minute runtime, especially for an animated film. Uh, there's, I feel like there's like a good hour in here where I, where I'm just sort of like, 
kind of just lost in plot and action sequences and until we eventually get into the dreamlike state that you were talking about earlier, Heather, of him entering scenes in different realities and having, you know, intense personal conversations with key characters. Shinji, rather. Mm-hmm. It's, it's just The scene a- with his dad, the scene with Gendo, I really don't, I didn't like that. I didn't like getting closure on Gendo and Shinji. I didn't like them being coming together. I would have loved it if there had been any reason for it to have happened. Like, yeah. if you had managed Feels to unearned. write me up to that moment, I would have been like, oh my God. And I probably would have wept for like all of the unthing- unsaid things that, every child has towards their father that you get mm-hmm. to see an avatar for your own experiences a voice in a show that means so much to you but instead it's like man that you did not write me to this point like you <laughs> in lost matt you don't mm-hmm. have Jack just go up to everybody on the island and go, hey, you know what I have never said to you? <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> I'll tell you what he wouldn't say in that scenario. I've never said to you, we got to live together or die alone. He's saying that to everybody all the time. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it is, you know. Hmm. Now I'm just thinking about Lost, um, which, you know, <laughs> that's the rest of my day now that we've been talking about it so much. But the like, yeah, I guess in the same way that I can't really express why I like it as with the first one, I sort of feel that way too. Because like, yeah, there's a lot of stuff in here that like doesn't hold water. Yeah. It's a fucking bucket with a hole in it. You're just sort of just like, okay, it's nothing. But when I saw this in the theater, it's long, right? I was just sort of like, I don't want this to be over. I was just like, I, 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 the, it's the world of Evangelion to me that I think I'm sort of just responding to. And as somebody that was like fresh, brand new, mm-hmm. got into anime through Evangelion, through this show, watching this whole show over a period of several months, right? Then waiting like six months, watching these movies, and then now talking about them here again, I am sort of just like, uh, give me more. I was like, like no, I don't want more. I don't want, I don't want somebody who's not Hideaki Anno to do more Evangelion. Um, the, the, I, yeah. I, I'll reiterate with something I either yeah. said in this episode or the previous episode. I do wish I'd seen this in theaters. I think I would have probably a more positive assessment of if, if I'd seen it in theaters and been completely immersed in this. Yeah. Cause it's just, it's so, it is, it is very, it is beautiful. It is gorgeous. It's gorgeous. And it's also, it's also really like immersive. There was a, they played a short in front of it. That was like a live action short, like a treatment for something. I can't remember what it was called. Hmm. Um, but it it made people gasp. Like it looked good. It looked cool. Um, and then at the end, they showed like a making of that, and I was like, oh, I don't gotta see this. I'm out of here. I've been here for fucking three hours. Uh, but <laughs> yeah, like I don't know. Like to me, like talking about the end of it, I do. And then you know, just what we've talked about already with like the Matrix resurrections of it all. I do sort of think that is him just being like, nobody even fucking try. There are no more Evas. 
Yeah, if he wants to off like give people an off ramp from the Evangelion experience. Yeah. Uh watching waiting a decade for this film and then watching it has ha, it it put a as to as up until now permanent stop on me purchasing Evangelion stuff. Mm-hmm. Like I used to be the person who would troll the Japanese Evangelion store website and like ship myself a sweater or like read books about Eva or like get the spin-off novels and oh man I'm I love it so much I love Evangelion. And since this movie has come out I haven't purchased anything Eva and Interesting. and haven't thought about Eva and I have this end of Evangelion poster up in my office and I look at that with a little bit of sadness because it used to be this like definitive punctuation mark of like here's a statement and and there it is and you you fucking figure it out and like how it applies to you in your life mm-hmm. whereas this just feels like somebody um somebody telling me you shouldn't have felt that much about eva and how have you how have you given so much of your thought space to this thing it doesn't deserve it move on it it almost feels spiteful in a way that the end of evangelion was always uh lambasted for but this feels so much more pointed and and mean to me like like grow up you know mm. join rejoin the rest of the world who all who all became adults while you were stuck in a in a, a permanent adolescence loving evangelion and it's like d- dude you can like shit and not have it be your personality you can also really li- like if you really, really like a piece of art that you see in a museum and maybe you get a T-shirt or a poster of that piece of art, it doesn't make you bad. Mm-hmm. But there's like a there's like a sense of like disgust towards mm. Eva and towards the fandom and the industry that is sort of prevalent in the uh, interviews that are given about this. And then finally, in these final moments in this film where it's like, Say goodbye to this shit and rejoin the real world. It's like, well, you can have both. You can like Eva and live in the real world. Mm-hmm. And and to be sort of, it feels like condemned for loving a thing is mm. kind of, it kind of bums me out. It doesn't, it makes me like not want to think about these characters anymore. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's, that's, I, I get that, especially you being someone who this has been such a huge part of your identity and it's it's influenced you so much creatively for, you know, over two decades. Um, so I, I, I get that. As someone later to a more of a latecomer to Evangelion, I was it was easier for me to mentally divide this from the series and from the movie. And I think also that I've just like consumed so many works from different authors and directors and creators where I've just sort of been like, okay, well, at this point it starts getting bad. And you know what? I can just ignore all the Dune novels that Frank Herbert's son wrote. Like I could just like sure. push those out of my brain. That's fine. Um, can I talk about something real quick, which is the, the which is a, an extended section on one of the fan wikis um, for this film. 
entitled Delays and Eventual Release. I'm just going to read some of this. It was previously slated for fall or winter of 2015. The film was delayed by the absence of Hideaki Anno while he was working on Shin Godzilla. In September 2014, the title card for the film was updated on the official film site. The new title is Evangelion 3.0 plus 1.0. In an interview posted on YouTube from June 2017, Hideaki stated the film would be released between March and April of 2018. On July 24th, 2018, a teaser was shown uh, before the screening of Hosada's new movie, Mirai no Mirai. The teaser revealed that 3.0 plus 1.0 is to be released in 2020. On March 20th, 2019, uh, they revealed the dialogue recording had begun, and they showed the first 10 minutes of the film. Um, and then they announced a June 2020 release. And then, uh, because of COVID-19, the movie was delayed. No new release date. October 16th, 2020, the film would be released in Japanese on January 23rd, 2021. On January 14th, 2021, the movie was delayed again to March 8th, 2021. So it's just, you know, like, like again, you know, going back to in development and it's supposed to be released in 2015 delayed because he has another film he's working on. Okay. And then like another, you know, six years of delays on top of that. Uh, it, it seems like a tortured development in this. I, I will say despite all that, that like, it's still like, I, I, I think that it, this could have been something that's a complete debacle. And I don't think it's that. I no, think it's I like an interesting, so an interesting work. That's got some redeeming qualities. Yeah. That's just not as good as the utter, the, the genre defining mm -hmm. masterpiece uh, that is the original. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree. And I, and I hope that my agreement here isn't a shock or is contrary to everything that I've said so far. Like, this is not, it's not the worst movie. Uh, it's just, um, it's just like watching it. You know what it's like watching? It's like watching special features on a Blu-ray. It mm. feels like added stuff, you know, like you're like watching it and you're like, oh, okay, that it almost feels like deleted scenes that you watch and you're like, oh man, it would have been weird if they'd done that. But as a, yeah, as a sort of like story, hmm, I don't know, man. It's not really a story when, when you can't, when a character hasn't even had a conversation with somebody before their clim the climax of their relationship is the end of the film. Mm -hmm. Was this a was this a box office hit in Japan? I have to assume yeah, so. Yeah, massive, massive yeah. hit. Lots of awards, uh, all around accolades. I watched a documentary of it being made and, and interviews with with him on like talk shows and stuff. And everybody's like, holy shit, what a work of genius. And I feel so on the outside of all that and like have constantly sort of asked myself, am I insane? Because what maybe maybe I don't get it. Maybe it's better than me. Maybe I'm dumb. Um. I definitely had that feeling too. I definitely had the feeling that I'm dumb, and I, I, which I think I mentioned in a previous episode. I, I, yeah. I think the the I do want to watch like a fucking long ass YouTube video of someone explaining this or someone saying like what they what you know the 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 themes and the lore of, of connecting all the dots here because it's it's very dense and it's very long, um, and I do want to see it again. I'm I'm just I'm I'm curious if my opinion will change, but but gut reaction. I was kind of like okay, all right, you know. And yeah. uh, and that's sort of where I'm at. Um, I am curious, and I'll, I'll live pitch this to you guys on the show. I think that now that we finished the rebuilds and we want, we covered the whole series last year, I feel like now that we're we're kind of done with the Evangelion canon, 
I think we could do a a full mailbag episode of just like let's just like anyone who's listens to the show who's a fan of Eva who's watched Eva watched Eva along with sure. us for the first time maybe just like send in any questions yep. you have any theories yes. any thoughts any I opinions yep. any hot takes if yes. you love the rebuilds I want to hear from you yep, what yep, if, yep. like 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 if you hate them I want to hear that too mm-hmm. I, I fucking like yeah just th- just throw in uh, whatever thoughts you are we'll go through all of them and we'll talk about them maybe on next week's episode I'm a hundred percent in I think that's a great right, idea great. I I found the short that they showed before I saw the movie. Uh, maybe you've seen this before, Heather. It's called Another Impact. Yeah, I love it. It's great. It's really, really good. I'll send it to you, Nick, so you can see it. All right, I gotta watch uh, it. It's really cool. Uh, and hey, you guys send us your thoughts. You can post on the episode uh, on Patreon. You can send them into uh, our social media, however you want to get them to us, in our probably in our Discord channel, um, and we'll collect everyone's questions and opinions and discuss them next week. Uh, but until then, that's been our coverage of Evangelion 3.0 plus 1.0 thrice upon a time. And I'm just going to say you got animated and turned into LCL. <laughs> Squish. <laughs> <laughs> Is Why isn't it four? I don't know, man. Because who knows? <laughs> what a, what a uh, keep, that in, keep that in the, keep yeah. that in the episode. <laughs> 